My name is Michael Ciroli. I'm the Chief U.S. Economist here at uh, J.P. Morgan. Uh, many of you who may have been on these calls before probably know Bob Cusack, who is the editor-in-chief of The Hill uh, magazine, uh, which focuses on D.C. politics. Uh, and Bob knows just about everyone in D.C. And given the mayhem we saw last weekend, we thought it would be a good time to check in with Bob and get his thoughts about uh, uh, the year ahead and the Congress ahead and, uh, you know, what's going on in Washington, what are some of the policy priorities and landmines that we should keep an eye on, uh, and just a general overview of things D.C.-related. Uh, after Bob, I'm going to ask Bob to give a few opening remarks, after which I'm going to ask him some questions, uh, and the audience is also free to uh, to ask questions when, uh, when the operator uh, opens it up. Uh, so without any further ado, Bob, what's uh, what's going on down there? <laughs> well, a little bit. Uh, thanks, Michael, and and thanks for everyone for joining. Uh, yeah, it's been a busy uh, busy start to the year. We saw a historic uh, speaker fight, uh, and that I think is going to affect uh, the policy making going forward. There's a lot of pressure on Kevin McCarthy, who uh, I think on the 15th vote finally got the votes, and then and now you have the news about the classified documents with Biden and oversight of that. Uh, I think legislatively, and, and we can get into a, a lot of the debt limit and the government possibilities of government shutdown, but you're not gonna see the amount of legislating that you saw in the last Congress. I, I think there are opportunities for bipartisanship on the farm bill and, and maybe permitting reform, which Joe Manchin wants, and he may need it if he's gonna run for reelection in West Virginia. Um, so I, I think, and this is this is all coming in the backdrop of the 2024 election. Obviously, Trump is already in. We interviewed Mike Pence this week. He's clearly going to get in, I think. And it's going to be it's going to be a crowded Republican field. Uh, we're hearing and have reported that that Biden is going to be announcing uh, his 2024 bid uh, over the next several weeks slash couple months. Uh, but it's going to be earlier than than normal. Uh, I think this classified document controversy is going to uh, dog him for a while. I, I don't think it's going to quite get to the Hillary emails uh, uh, latitude, but uh, overall, I think it's going to be a problem for for the president. I don't think it's much. It's not going to be that much of a problem that he's going to get a major primary challenger. Uh, so legislating, uh, yeah, oversight is going to be big. Uh, House Republicans are going to be looking into the border, looking into this classified documents. They're going to be doing a lot of that. Hunter Biden's already started uh, investigating. Um, but but legislatively, it's really kind of what has to get done. And of course, the debt limit has to get done. Uh, I see, you know, Paul Ryan has been uh, pushing his book this week and doing interviews, and, and he sees the debt limit kind of going similar to how it's gone in the past. And I do agree with him. There's going to be a lot of drama, got a lot of be twists and turns, um, but Kevin McCarthy, in order to get the speakership, had to raise expectations among his House Republican conference. Uh, and he has made some major, major promises that are going to be extremely hard uh, to do. And McCarthy has obviously one of the worst jobs in in, uh, in Washington because he's going to go going against the Democratic Senate, Democratic White House. And I imagine a lot of the 2024 hopefuls are, are not going to be uh, siding with the speaker uh, leadership. The officials are never popular. So uh, I think it's going to be a very, very tough time. I do think, and we can get into the details of the inside baseball, I do think uh, that a leading way to raise the debt ceiling 
will be this uh, unusual procedure called a discharge petition. Uh, you need 218 <coughs> votes, uh, signatures to get on the discharge petition. It takes a while for it to ripen and get to the House floor. But what I see is a, is a leading candidate. Again, there'll be drama, there'll be maneuvers, there'll be talk of cutting uh, or you know, cutting, getting some type of concessions from the White House uh, in order to raise the debt ceiling. <clears throat> but then the question is, and we're actually working on a story on this, you know, who's going to be driving the bus? Uh, for Democrats. Is it going to be the White House or is it going to be Chuck Schumer slash uh, Jeffrey slash Pelosi? Because remember, Pelosi is still around. Uh, I, my, my guess is on the latter, and they're not going to be conceding anything. And I think there's a real chance that Democrats are soon going to be filing a discharge petition, getting all their members on it. This discharge petition would raise the debt ceiling, would be clean debt hike. Um, they may do variations of this. <clears throat> and uh, but Republican moderates, including uh, uh, Congressman uh, Fitz, Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania, who I know and have interviewed, uh, he's indicated, listen, that's that's kind of a last resort as far as whether I'd sign that, because they would need another uh, six Republicans to bring that to the floor over the objections of Kevin McCarthy. So, uh, but, you know, the, these discharge positions rarely work. But when you're talking and we get down the stretch, whenever it is, you know, it's kind of a moving target, as you know, the debt. Uh, deadline, you know, we get into the spring slash summer and there's more talk of default and there's more talk of, you know, 6 million jobs getting lost. I think you are going to be able to get uh, six Republicans on that discharge petition. And as long as they file it early, it can ripen in time. Uh, and that's what they're going to do because what else are Democrats going to do in the minority? Um, I do think on, just, just on a, the chances of a default are, are obviously there. Uh, I think the chances of a government shutdown are higher than that. Uh, Republicans really want to um, uh, eradicate the, the 87,000 IRS agents slash employees. There's controversy on the number, and, but, but basically it's, it's, it's doing what Republicans did this week in, in voting to uh, retract that part of the Inflation Reduction Act. That is very important, very important for House Republicans to lose, to use some leverage to get concessions on those uh, IRS employees that will be added over the next decade. So I think that in particular could lead to a government shutdown because obviously the White House is not gonna back down on that. So, you know, I, I see a lot of contentious uh, debates uh, going forward. House Republicans are promising to pass, you know, the individual appropriations bills. Uh, that just hasn't been done as at least all 12 of them in like decades. So I'm sure Senate Republicans and we're already hearing murmurs of it uh, as House Republicans talk big, Senate Republicans are saying, well, let's see what the House can pass. Because remember, it's such a slim majority. Um, we've even talked to, to, to Republican members who aren't crazy about you know, impeaching Mayorkas. And Mayorkas is not a popular figure in the Republican Party. Uh, but at the same time, getting the votes to impeach him is going to be very difficult. And some Republicans, like uh, the moderates that I mentioned, they don't want to do that. They want to focus on inflation, the economy, uh, and and Part of the reason, obviously, they got into the into the majority. So, um, but I do think that it would help Biden if he gets a, a bipartisan win here or there. But the, the last point on relationships, you know, Kevin McCarthy really doesn't have a relationship with Biden. Kevin McCarthy really doesn't have a relationship with with Chuck Schumer. I mean, this is not, you know, even you know Clinton and Gingrich had a relationship, uh, and they were able to get some stuff done, uh, including you know, a massive balanced budget act. And that's what Republicans want to do. They want to balance the budget, but. You know, I think I think McCarthy has to really now start to pivot and 
maybe not this month, but maybe next month, kind of lower expectations a bit because they're so high and, and they're really kind of unattainable when, when you don't have the free reign of the House and Senate and the White House like they had in the Trump administration. It's just going to be very hard for uh, these to, to satisfy the House Republican Conference. And as we saw during the speaker fight, all it takes is one member who could go to the floor and challenge McCarthy again, and we're back into that same situation. Uh, and that, you know, I wouldn't bet against that. It's, I don't think it's going to happen soon, but later this year, there's going to be somebody who's going to be upset at McCarthy over, I don't know, whether it's committee assignments or favors or more, more likely how he's handling these fiscal negotiations, and that could trigger another fight. So it's 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 going to be it's good news for Republicans that they won the House, but <laughs> there are some bad news uh, as part of that. Yeah. So you mentioned the government shutdown. Now the government is funded through the end of the fiscal year, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay, so that that fight would happen after, presumably after the deadline to fight. Yes. So do you think that um, could that re- lower the odds that you have a problem with the debt limit because they know there's another fight around the corner they can draw blood from? Yes, I think so. Um, I mean, if if this um, discharge petition strategy works, uh, that's going to be embarrassing for House Republicans. Um, I mean, there's nothing they can do on it other than leading on the Republican moderates. So it's going to be, it, there's going to be, House Republicans are going to need to to move quickly on sweeping what they want to move. Okay, what do you want? What do you want to increase the debt ceiling? You're going to have to move bills. Um, and they're promising regular order and you get to see bills 72 hours. You know, we've seen this before and then yeah, those rules kind of change and they waive them. Um, but yes, I think that is another one where, okay, we're going to fight over government spending uh, if if our hands are tied on the debt limit. Yeah. And you could also, I presume, have a a package debt limit and funding deal. Yes, absolutely. Plausible or? Well, I it's definitely plausible, I, I think. Um, but it is one of those things where you don't need it as quickly. And Washington always works on, on always procrastinates. And then Congress is great at punting. Um, so I, I think it's more likely that they do one at a time. But yes, they'll be talking about both issues. Um, and and I'm sure the White House would like to get both issues uh, done at the same time. I just think it's going to be very difficult. Both both are both are very difficult. Um, but if House Republicans aren't able to pass, like they're going to have problems on the defense appropriations bills because some conservatives want to rein in the Pentagon spending, some don't, uh, and they're adamant about that. And I just don't think they're going to get a lot of help from from Democrats on on stuff. I mean, occasionally uh, House Democrats may may help them, but Overall, you're going to move any type of thing, and this is traditional in the House. You you gotta you've got to um, you, you you gotta move it on your uh, you know uh, uh, with your own members. Now, one other thing, in order to pass these appropriations bills, and again, this is a little inside baseball, but it's important, is you got to pass a budget resolution. Okay, no Democrat, not Henry Cuellar, not the most conservative Democrat, no one's going to vote for that budget. Okay, it just never happens. It's always shirts and skins on a budget resolution. Um, so. How do, if you don't set this, uh, you got to set then the budget resolution sets the parameters of the spending bills. So that has to happen in spring. And if that doesn't happen, you know, usually they like to do it by April 15th. Sometimes it it, it, it slips a bit. Um, it, that's very important. And I think that's that that's going to be number one on the legislating agenda, making sure that they can get the votes to pass it. But that is going to be awfully difficult. Yeah. So. Can we go back to on the debt limit? Um, we jump to the dis- discharge petition. 
can we just go through the the mechanics and the issues if we go through a more conventional kind of debt ceiling phrase like what what committees does it go through what are they going to be the, some of the key bargaining points um i mean the key committees to watch i think in the overall congress is are especially for house republicans are going to be ways and means jason smith got the gavel there appropriations the discharge petition is is doesn't have to go through committee uh it has to be filed um and it takes um it takes about a month for it to to so-called ripen and, and then there are a couple other delays of once you get the 218 signatures it does not go to the floor immediately however it doesn't have to go through a committee it can go straight to the floor now now if you're going to get this you're going to have to have republicans sign it you know they have to sign it and that's a very public thing so that's kind of could be a little embarrassing but some of these republicans remember you know they're especially in new york you know house republicans did very well but these republicans just got elected they're worried about getting reelected um so if it's a choice of well i'm going to take on my own party but i i want to make sure we avoid default uh you know, I, I, there is no doubt about it that even with these time restraints uh, of a month of ripening roughly, and then there's a couple legislative, there's 30 legislative days, which can can span over two months. But if they file it now, it'll be ready by the spring. Uh, there is no doubt about it. Now, they- well, the, the discharge petition. The discharge petition, yeah. So that goes straight to the floor. Um, and usually what happens in these situations is, and, and, and during the George W. Bush administration, he had a healthcare thing that was, that was getting, uh, he didn't like it. Uh, I think it was on patient bill of rights and it was getting signatures of Republicans and it led to some type of deal. Uh, I can't remember all the de details of that, but, but usually instead of getting embarrassed, um, leadership will see, oh my good, this is going to get, this is going to get the votes. However, of course, that's going to hurt their leverage. Um, I think the Biden White House, and we've gotten signals of this, would accept some type of uh, spending cuts, okay? Not cuts to entitlements, not Medicare, not Social Security. But I honestly don't think that Schumer's going to go along with that. And I don't think that Jeffries and Pelosi are going to go along with that. Uh, you know, there has been, there's a lot of distance between McCarthy and McConnell. They're, they don't have the best relationship. They're friendly, but they have differences. Obviously, Trump is, is a big factor uh, in that where McCarthy, after he was elected speaker, thanked uh, Trump publicly. Uh, McConnell obviously has an ongoing feud with Trump that's not going to be ending. So, uh, you know, I, I think McConnell is one to watch. You know, he appeared with pre the uh, President Biden uh, in uh, uh, on infrastructure recently, and they were very complimentary uh, of one another. Um, so, you know, you could see McConnell siding with, with Biden on some key things, uh, and that's gonna hurt McCarthy's leverage as well. Uh -huh. I so you, you talked about taking, uh, accepting some spending cuts. I think on one of the Sunday shows, I forget who it was, was saying on the Republican side was saying they wanted cuts to, as you mentioned, Social Security and Medicare, which uh, seems a little surprising because I don't think that generally is, <laughs> as far as I recall, that's not too popular with uh, with the public. Uh, right. Do you think are they going to pivot to uh, like discretionary spending? I mean, or why would they even have that as their opening salvo? Yeah, I think they're going to have to pivot um, because uh, they just, I mean, we, we all know that Medicare and Social Security are, are headed for bankruptcy, Medicare being worse off. So at some point, they're going to have to, they're going to have to deal with it. They're going to have to make some cuts and reforms as they did in the late 1990s. But that was right up against when Medicare was was about to go bankrupt. So that's the impetus. We're not at that point yet. Um, you know, Ryan has been saying this week, and again, I agree with him on this, is that, listen, 
he obviously um, would love and, and tried to, but failed to reform entitlement spending. Uh, he says it's going to take a public uh, education effort that's going to take years, and they're going to have to win more elections. They're going to have to win the Senate, which they very well could win. The map is very friendly to Republicans uh, in 2024. So despite all the kind of Republican chaos, or certainly in the House, uh, you know, the House and Senate and White House are up for grabs in 2024. So I think that that McCarthy and others will say, listen, we can't do that. Uh, we can't take that. We're just, it's not going to be signed into law. And it's going to hurt us politically if we push too hard. So then I do think they pivot to some side, some type of discretionary spending curbs. Um, and, and that's where I think that the Republican moderates are going to be like they don't want they don't want to touch, especially if they're in tough reelections. They don't want to touch Medicare, Social Security, you know, discretionary spending or saving a penny here. Their, their bill is to take a penny out of every uh, Rand Paul has another one that is six pennies out of uh, government agencies and then adds up to a lot of money. Uh, you, know, you know, some type of uh, parameters could. But again, you know, I think that you know, Schumer, even though, you know, we've seen Republican divisions, remember, the Democratic Party is not completely united here. The left really wants more. Uh, they're not going to be going, I think, for, for spending cuts. And uh, I, I just think they're going to. And if if Schumer or the White House, um, you know, concedes significant spending cuts, uh, they're going to take a lot of flack. And they know that. So so. I think they're going to use their leverage and and gang up. Um, but you know, Pelosi, Pelosi and Schumer, there was really no distance, uh, at least publicly, on really much of anything. But there's a lot of distance between Republican leaders. Um, I, I think you know Republicans uh, are going to have to be uh, are going to have to lower their expectations of what they can accomplish. And again, a lot of that can be oversight um, and you know chipping away at whether it's the Biden controversy. Um, you're also going to see the backdrop again of 2024. Uh, we might see an indictment of President Trump. So we're going to see some rocky moments, I think, this spring uh, heading into these negotiations. Yeah. So now if McCarthy has a deal with the White House and you lose, like, I don't know, what is it, four Republicans, then you would need to bring over some Democrats. Yes. Yes. And yeah, and that's that's where the you know who has the steering wheel is important um, because if McCarthy does have uh, a deal with the White House, well, I'm sure Schumer uh, and Jeffries are going to be in the room, and they're you know, and I I just I have seen you know when Rahm Emanuel was chief of staff in the Obama White House, Rahm Emanuel was a force. I mean, he he you know he he drove the bus. Uh, now that was partially you know because Obama was elected uh, easily and had a mandate uh, and was popular at the time. But he, but he, but this White House does yield to, to congressional leaders. Um, and, and this White House also likes to make a point that Joe Biden is no longer in the Senate. Okay. And I think that that's a good arrangement for Democrats because Schumer uh, gets his power and uh, Biden gets to sign it. But if there, if there were a deal between Biden and McCarthy, you would bring some Democrats because they would they they have to support their president and they want their 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 president reelected and that's the bottom line. Yeah. So Trump has already been kind of hectoring McCarthy. Well, he's already made his <laughs> opinions known about the debt limit and the the force that it could be. That to what degree do you think he's kind of implicitly in the room there? And do you think he do you think McCarthy would go along with any deal that Trump? publicly opposed to? I think it would be difficult, but at the same time, 
you know, polls show that uh, we did one uh, and others have shown this, that most voters thought that Trump was the biggest loser of the midterms. Um, he certainly picked some bad candidates early on. And that's not that's that's going to change. I think McConnell is going to have a lot more say in who the the Republican primary like McConnell can't blow the Senate again. Um, and I and I think Trump has been hurt politically now at the same time. If he's a crowded field, you can never count him out. And the fact that McCarthy is thanking Trump after, you know, he was obviously involved. Uh, he was calling members, but you know, it was it wasn't like they they just said, okay, you know, Mr. President, I'm going to vote for McCarthy on the first ballot. You know, this is not like this is very different when you're asking for a vote for Speaker. It's very different than when Trump was calling around saying, "You need to support my tax cuts. You need to repeal Obamacare." It's just a different dynamic. It's personalities, and uh, you know, a lot of these conservatives just don't like McCarthy. They think he's just, you know, he's more of the same. You know, Speaker Ryan said, well, we're going to it's going to be a new era. We're going to change how Washington works. It didn't nothing really change, you know, and and we do have, you know, I know the rebels have taken a lot of heat, but they're highlighting something that is it's true. The debt is going to have to be tackled at some point. Um, and the more we push it off, the, the, the more it's harder to fix. Mm-hmm. Now, so on the discharge petition, so you say it, that's going to be something that comes about that will get the Dems will get the ball rolling in the spring. Is that right? I think they'll have, yeah, I think they're going to sign. I think they're going to start it within the next couple of weeks. I don't think there's any doubt. Now there may be different variations of it. Let's say you have one. Okay. Here, the first one's going to be, we're going to do what we've done in the past. We're going to raise the debt ceiling um, and it's going to be clean. Um, And then they might, you know, as negotiations go on, especially with Republicans who say, well, listen, you got to give us, you got to give us something. So they could file a bill that also, you know, divide and conquer works in politics. They could they could uh, come up with a bill that says, okay, uh, and, and the bill is within a discharge petition that, okay, we raise the debt ceiling and then we do these, you know, cuts around the, the margins um, that aren't really that significant, but there's something. Um, and then that can also go to the floor. There's no, there's no limit. As long as you've got uh, 218 signatures, uh, you know, all those bills come to the floor. It's just, you know, it, they really work because you need some help from the majority party. And um, that's, that's why, you know, Democrats, you know, that, that's why discharge petitions just don't work in general. But I really do think there's a really good chance it could work this time. Yeah. When's the last time it's, it's worked? Do you recall? I don't. I, I don't. Because usually when something gets, gets that steam, leadership strikes a deal. And, and I think that could happen, but I, I also, if they strike a deal, then you, you're going to have a Republican, it's going to be a weak deal for the, the rebels. Right. And then you could have the, you know, again, the motion to vacate all takes one member, Matt Gates could go to the floor and say, you know, McCarthy promised us spending reforms. We're not getting any of that. It's his fault. He, he, you know, the discharge petition, McCarthy really can't control other than, which is important, keeping the moderates in line, but it's going to be difficult when, um, when you have the threat of default, I, I, and, and you have the White House and, you know, to some degree, the media beating up on McCarthy. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, maybe we can pivot a little bit to um, uh, 24, which I guess kind of already getting into the season for that. Um, maybe first your thoughts on, uh, on the presidential race. Um. It's going to, I think it's going to be fascinating on the Republican side. Uh, again, you're going to see a crowded field. Um, you know, last year interviewed Nikki Haley. And at that point she was saying that she would not run against Trump. 
um, if he ran. Well, then the midterms happened. Trump didn't do so well. Now she's certainly thinking about running. So she's done a 180 on that, at least to this point. And I think, I think sounds like she's going to get in. I think Pence gets in, Christie gets in. Um, interesting, in the Senate, does Cruz get in? Does Rubio get in? Um, and of course, you have, uh, you know, what a lot of people say now is, is, a, is a two-man race with DeSantis and Trump. I think it's too early to say that. You know, we've seen before, you know, in, uh, in 2004, Gephardt and Howard Dean were the front runners, and they threw mud at each other. And then John Kerry just slipped in and, and won the nomination. So, uh, you know, I, I think that DeSantis's numbers are certainly uh, impressive, and he has closed the gap significantly, especially in the early states. Uh, people forget that when Trump ran in 2016, he lost Iowa, and he said it was rigged. He lost it to Cruz. Um, you know, some of these early states don't favor Trump. Um, Sununu could get in. Obviously, that would be a big, big factor in New Hampshire. You know, you, so you're going to have I, I do think the nominee eventually is going to have to be someone uh, who is not a Liz Cheney type. You know, you're going to have to you don't have to be a super uh, friendly Trump ally, but you have to be OK with Trump supporters. I mean, I've talked to a lot of Republicans who are kind of tired of the Trump show. Uh, and they like DeSantis. I, I think DeSantis, who has gotten much better, I think, as a politician since he served in the House, um, is you know, he has is he likable enough? I think that's a valid question uh, to ask. You know, he he does a good job of kind of you know poking the media, which which is which is good for Republican politics. But and and Trump did that too. But Trump also wooed the media, you know, and, and that really helped him beat. Uh, it, it helped him beat. Uh, at Hillary, uh, because, you know, we got, we asked, obviously, for interviews of everybody. Uh, Hillary Clinton wouldn't sit down with us, but then Trump sat down with us for four times. And the first interview, you know, he, he said, yeah, 15, or the staff said, yeah, 15 minutes, and he gave us 80 minutes. So you, know, you need to, you need to use the free media to get attention. And Jeb Bush and Rubio and others also were kind of afraid of the media. Um, and, and Trump played uh, the media like a violin. Um, but I still think with all his baggage, possible indictment, um, I, I would not, I would call DeSantis the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. How about, uh, I think you mentioned earlier on the Democratic side, you don't see significant um, primary challenges to Biden. Yeah. I mean, is, is that at all conditional on how the, the, the document leaks investigation goes? And I, I think so. I mean, certainly we, we've we've seen, you know, Biden heading into the midterms was looking a little weak, right? I mean, his numbers were not good. His numbers are not that good now. You know, he, he hasn't been at 50 in a long time. Um, and then they surpassed expectations. I really don't think it was a lot of what Democrats did. Um, I think it was just the headlines of, of, of Trump. I think the election deniers, there was a lot of fatigue with that. Um, you know, a lot of Democrats... I think 36% of Democrats in a recent poll that we partnered with want Biden to run again. So that's way less than half. Okay. Because why? Because I think they fear number one is age and that he might not win again. And I think, uh, you know, maybe Biden could beat Trump again. That was certainly a close race though. Um, I think Biden, DeSantis and other matchups. I mean, some Democrats say, listen, yeah, it would be messy if Biden stepped aside. Um, but we might have a better candidate at the end of the day. We're certainly going to have a younger candidate. Um, so, but right now, I think it is contingent upon how bad this classified documents are. I don't think it's going to 
weaken him. Uh, so because like other primary challengers were, you know, like uh, Governor Newsom uh, was thinking about it, certainly. And then Biden was stronger. And I think right now, the Democrats are in lockstep uh, with Biden uh, for now, at least the, the key ones. But, you know, you have to you got to look at his health. Uh, and that that could change over six months. Um, but right now, the intention is and everyone says, well, you know, does a family want Biden to run? Well, you also have to think about staff. You know, you think you think Ron Klain wants to leave the White House. I think he probably likes his job. He wants to keep it. And he's not going to be chief of staff for, uh, you know, uh, President Harris if, if that happened. And if Biden doesn't run for whatever reason um, or bows out at some point, whether it's health reasons or whatever, um, it's going to be a crowded field. You know, people people forget that that Harris didn't even make it to Iowa when she ran for president. So they're not they're not afraid of Harris. So that's going to be, you know, you could see Buttigieg uh, into it. You know, obviously Buttigieg has had a tough tough stretch of the last couple of weeks, but um, you're going to see a crowded field there. Bernie Sanders certainly, I think, would get in. I've talked to people who know him, and and they don't want him to run, but he would run. But if Biden's fine. running, I, I don't think I don't think you're going to see a major primary challenger. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Uh, maybe just pause here and um, uh, note that um, we can open it up to the, the audience to um, for questions. Um, so, uh, moderator, if there are any questions when they come on, just let me know and we'll uh, open that up. Um, one uh, one question I have gotten is, um, I think there are some uh, tax provisions expiring at the end of this year. Do you see any deals done on? on something like that? Yeah, you know, they they didn't, uh, there were some some that expired at the end of last year and it was thought that maybe they would get it into the final package. Um, and I, I do think there could be some small deals on that. Um, I don't see a lot of um, uh, tax deals, uh, you know, like one of the things that, that House Republicans, if they had a large majority would love to do is extend the Trump tax cuts. Um, but they can't do it because of SALT and the New York Republicans. And there are a lot more New York Republicans because other than New York Republicans, a lot of House candidates didn't do well in tough elections. So until they fix that and with this, you know, you lose four or five of these guys and you're, and you're gone. Remember, that's why the Trump Trump tax law, tax bill, it, it passed, but it wasn't unanimous. Uh, so I don't see a lot of uh, deal making on that, especially, you know, after we get after we get a a debt deal and um, the uh, Alberta government shutdown or reopen the government, it's all going to be about 2024. So, really, the next uh, eight months are key. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess going back to the debt limit, the debt ceiling. Um, you know, I, I guess I was a little pleasantly surprised. I suppose that. You would mention like default is not going to be, you know, not the likely scenario. Now, you know, 2011, we got pretty dang close. Oh, yeah. And, you know, John Boehner, he was arguably, you know, um, you know, perhaps a little bit more moderate than, uh, and his caucus was more moderate than the one uh, that's there today. So why should we expect this to be like, more benign than 2011, or should we? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, 2011 was 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 rough, as you remember. Uh, and I remember we were writing a story, and and somebody called me and said, "Listen, if if you if you run that story, you know, you're gonna because it was about the tension, and all that, you know, it's gonna 
it's going to raise the 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 chances of a, a default. And I said, well, my 401k is rooting for you, but I, we have to do what we're doing and report the news. I, I listen. I think it's going to be dramatic. I don't know if it's going to be dramatic as that. Now that was a different backdrop, as you said, Michael. You know, as far as you know, you had uh, Obama had just gotten shellacked uh, and and had and and actually did some spending reforms on his own as far as you know uh, freezes. Um, in response to that, because obviously he was concerned about winning a second term. So I think you're going to see that drama. But I do think that, you know, let's say, you know, if if Republicans stumble and they can't pass uh, a budget, there's going to just the, the negative headlines, I think, are going to are going to are going to be uh, they're going to be they're going to be hurtful for their leverage. And, and that's where I think that the Republican moderates, you know, the, I tell you one thing, just like in the last Congress with with Democrats, it's basically it's, you know, it's the same margin, just Pelosi's a very good vote counter, but she had major troubles with the left. Uh, these these Republican moderates and conservatives, of course, and we saw it with the speaker fight, you know, you get five people together, you can you can affect policy. Uh, and that's what happened in the speaker fight it was it was, you know, initially it was five, but then it, it grew to, to about 20. Um, and they got some major concessions. But I just think Achieving some of these goals is unrealistic when you don't have, you know, you only have the House, and you're you're not seeing Kevin McCarthy saying, "Well, we," you know, I think it was John Boehner said, "Well, we only have at one point, you know, one one third of the government because we got, you know, we're fighting the other side," and you know, there, there's none of that talk now. It's like we're going to go, so it's up to them to come up with uh, controversial spending uh, reforms slash cuts that are going to be appealing to moderates who are in tough re-election races. And I just, I can't see that. I can't see it. Yeah. What are you hearing from your sources there about how either side is thinking about the court of, court of public opinion in terms of um, who would get the blame if things really go down toilet here? A lot of, a lot of Democrats, especially on the left, uh, really want Biden to run against the House Republican conference. You know, just, just run against them mock them, go after them. Um, now, I think, again, you know, sometimes the, the congressional leaders are going to be playing more of a role in that. But, you know, you're going to hear, especially because, uh, as I said, the, the, the map for Republicans in 2024 in the Senate is very friendly. They've got a, it, like, uh, Tester has to decide whether he's running for re-election. And a lot of these red states, Joe Manchin, West Virginia, Sherrod Brown in Ohio, very good candidate, Fairly liberal, very good candidate though, but that's a, that's a red state in Ohio. Uh, obviously, cinema has has turned into independent. You know, so uh, I think you're going to hear the word extreme a million times from uh, Chuck Schumer and the White House, and they're just going to try to gang up on him and win the the, the battle of of court of opinion. And you know, to, to you know, Nancy Pelosi was not the best orator, and neither is Kevin McCarthy. Um, and I think that 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 hurts the effort uh, for for House Republicans. This yeah. is not a Newt Gingrich when he was really kind of popular. Kind of, this is not that figure. He's obviously, you know, they they say he's not weakened, but he's weakened after those those fifteen votes. Yeah, you mentioned um, the defense authorization. Can you just go through a little bit of the mechanics there and the deadline and the timeline? You know, what's, what's the story? Uh, the Wall Street Journal editorial board has really been hammering on this uh, as far as just overall defense spending. Now, they passed the authorization bill, but now they got to spend pass the spending bill as part of the appropriations process. Um, you know, what do you do on Ukraine? Uh, now, I think oversight of, of what we're spending in Ukraine, now that makes a lot of sense. You can sell that. Uh, you know, remember this, 
you know, there's a lot of corruption still in Ukraine, but, you know, I know they're popular now because they were invaded, but, um, you know, Biden obviously has talked about that in the past. Um, so I, I think that there are going to be some big questions on, um, you know, Jim Jordan has suggested, okay, well, let's rein in the bureaucracy of the Pentagon, but not take money from the troops. Okay, well, that's tough. I don't know. That, that, I don't know how you're going to do that. Um, at least sell that publicly when you have others like uh, Mike Gallagher, who is heading this uh, China committee, which is very interesting. It's a bipartisan vote on that, um, you know, saying, you know, we, we and the Wall Street Journal editorial board, which is very conservative, saying we need to increase spending. So this deal is actually going to decrease spending because certainly Democrats are not going to say, oh, OK, just, you know, raise the defense uh, spending tremendously. And then, well, yeah, we'll cut back on HHS and, and, and other domestic spending. They're not going to do that. However, Republicans, you know, didn't really get that much notice. But in the defense authorization bill, there was usually there's parity between defense and the rest of discretionary spending. Uh, and the defense had more. Uh, and that's what I think Republicans who, um, you know, wanted to pass a bill said, you got to give us something. And they got that. So that's going to be an ongoing fight. I think it's fine for them to do oversight and, and saying, OK, Ukraine shouldn't get a blank check. But you're seeing the, the White House saying that's not their mantra. Their mantra is uh, we're going to keep giving them money as long as it takes. And there's going to be fights over that. And, and I do think that with with China being a major focus um, and the possibility of an invasion of Taiwan, I mean, I mean, you're going to have you've got to have um, I think you, you're going to have to have you're going to have to increase defense spending to, to satisfy Republicans in the Senate as well. Um, how, so you mentioned, uh, 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 by the way, I think we have about five minutes left. Uh, operator, are there any, any questions on the line? You have a question. Feel free to use the raise hand feature at the bottom of your screen. If you've dialed in by phone, you may raise your hand by dialing star nine and star six will allow you to mute and unmute. I'll just pause for a second and allow Q to assemble. So um, you had mentioned China as being one area of one of the few areas of bipartisanship in the current Congress. Do you see that resulting in any legislation? Or I think it's too early to tell, honestly, but I do think, I mean, I watched the debate very closely on the floor and Kevin McCarthy said, listen, this is not, this is not, I'm not going to make this a partisan committee. Gallagher is, is one to watch. He's a rising star uh, in the House Republicans, a very impressive uh, defense, you know, big on defense, um, very knowledgeable, very smart move for McCarthy to tap him, I think. But both McCarthy and Gallagher said, listen, we, you know, we want to get at this. I, you know, I think there could be some, I mean, I know that COVID is such a partisan thing, but, you know, isn't it, isn't it okay to do an investigation of how it started? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of hard to say you shouldn't look into that, you know, so we don't have it again. Um, I don't know legislatively where it would go, um, but the focus now is on China, especially we go into presidential politics. Everyone loves to bash China. You know, Saudi Arabia used to be at the end of last year because they kind of, you know, really kind of screwed the White House. Uh, th that's ease now. So the, the focus is on is on China and I and that Iran nuclear deal. That's dead. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. We only have about three minutes left. Operator, does anyone? Yes, uh, we can take a question from Max Glasser. Max, your line is open. Feel free to unmute. Between. Uh, thank you very much. And thank you for speaking between either the probability of it happening or the impact it would have if it did. Does Santos have any relevance right now in terms of just where we're headed? 
Does who? Uh, Santos. Uh, the... Oh, yeah, no, he, well, Santos not going to be around for a long time, I don't think. I mean, he's, uh, uh, it's remarkable that in this day and age that that actually happened. And, and it's not a great thing for both Democrats as well as the media for not finding that before he was elected. Um, but yeah, there's ethics investigations. And I, I think it's just a matter of time before uh, Santos is, is out of Congress. Whether I don't know whether they'll expel him. They rarely do that. But, uh, you know, a lot of people think, including former Congressman Charlie Dent, the reason he's staying in, he needs the money. You know, that's the, I mean, this is an embarrassment, you know. But it's it's a remarkable story. It, and, and where he got this money, you know, he, he loaned himself $700,000 and really didn't have the job to do that. So where did that money come from? That's the big question. Right. But do you see any impact to like the legislative agenda potentially if he disappears? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, McCarthy wanted his vote. So, you know, that's why he stuck around. Um, and I'm sure McCarthy would be saying a lot of different things if Santos was a Democrat. Um, but, you know, we see the hypocrisy on both sides. Uh, yeah, I think I think the margin is, you know, remember, this is not the Senate. So if Santos does step down or is forced to resign, they've got to have another special election. And that is a contested election. So that's going to be that could be a bellwether of what's you know viewed as bellwether, at least at the time. Sometimes they're not bellwethers looking back at them. But yeah, I, I, if Santos makes is still a, a member of Congress in a year, I'd, I'd be surprised. Understood. Thank you. Thanks. We got a. Um... About a minute or two left. Operator, any other calls in the queue? Yes, we have a question from Charles Kimball. Charles, your line is open. Feel free to win. Thank you. Uh, I'm wondering what were the significant rules changes that McCarthy had to accept other than in addition to the one person can bring up, you know, to discharge the speaker? What were the other rules changes? A lot of them were concessions of getting people on on key committees, like the Rules Committee, which is one of the most powerful committees, because that decides what goes to the House floor. So they're they're adding uh, more of these conservatives to various committees. Uh, you know, there were some people wanting to get on a committees. I think the biggest, but the 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 biggest one, and and honestly, there's still stuff coming out of what was agreed to. Uh, regarding, you know, there's some deals that we know about, a lot of it inside baseball, um, but n nothing just as big as the uh, as as the, the motion to vacate. On this discharge petition, there was some thinking of lowering the threshold, um, and they didn't do that. So, if let's say if you're conservatives and you want something on the floor, instead of 218 votes, you would just need 150. And then it would it would come to the floor. McCarthy did not have to agree to that, which I think was significant, especially with the debt limit stuff. Um, but the motion to vacate is is by far. I, I do think you're going to see another speaker fight before the year is out. Operator, anyone else? Yes, we have a question. Uh, yes, if you'd like to take one more, we have a question from a phone line. The phone number is ending in the numbers five six eight. Your line is now open. You may dial star six to unmute. Hey, thanks, Mike and Bob, for doing this. Appreciate the time. Um, Bob, it, it, the documents um, with um, President Biden, is this an impeachable offense for the a sitting president? Is there any risk of that in 2023? I don't think so. I mean, there, there have been, uh, as there was in the last Congress, uh, there were measures to impeach Biden. Uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene has already said this is, you know, and this was, 
uh, really before the the second and third batch. And as you know, this is is getting embarrassing for the for the White House. You know, with the, the fact that it's in his garage. I mean, I, I imagine they got to be checking the glove compartment of you know where else could mm-hmm. these things be. It just muddles the whole situation. I don't think it leads to impeachment. And I also think uh, McConnell uh, will play a role in McConnell is going to play a role in in trying to stop what House Republicans uh, are pushing for, like impeachment or that kind of thing. Um, and I just don't think it can get the votes, honestly, uh, unless it really becomes a real problem. And it was intentional and we're hearing lies and there was a major cover up. Listen, as you as you know. They found out about this a week before the election, okay? And I think it would have been smarter for them, maybe not to release it then, but in December, to control the news, to say we needed some time to, to figure out what's going on. And, and, and of course, eventually, I mean, did they think that this was not going to get out at some point? Um, but, so this is, this is a major, more of a political thing that hurts Biden, uh, I think, more than impeachment. But you're going you're gonna to hear talk of that. Absolutely. Thank you. If we have anyone else on the line, maybe Bob, if you could stay on another minute, sure, just to sure. clear out the queue. There are no other questions at this time. All right. Well, uh, Bob, thanks as always um, for your time and the insights, and uh, hopefully um, we can do it again later this year. Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on January 13, 2023.